0: It's a wall. It's a And then, like, of course, you know, I guess it had been like in my head at some point. I might have like unconsciously thought it's like, of course, Plato's fucking cave is is a is a is a mechanism to understand capitalism. Like, of course, it makes
1: a lot of sense. So yeah. I've never heard that before. But it's but so I, it's because I think Plato is written off very much. So is this kind of like like reactionary thinker? I think well, so? I guess in, his, well, in I think Republic. in terms of like like the you know the philosopher ruler and all that.
0: Right. What's right. fun about the, about the Republic, though, is that it's a thought experiment, right? It's about trying to make an a utopia, and and uh, and so like I always feel like those things are not necessarily like he's not necessarily being totalitarian. He's just it's it's about understanding them, like what you would need to do in order to create a society that is toward the good, and
1: uh, I guess yeah, for him. Yeah, and if you want to be, you know, if you want to be fair to the Republic, uh, he he he. Uh, Tests it against the, the theory of authoritarianism and, and That's true. lands on the philosopher king, the king who doesn't want to rule um, as the ideal leader. But anyway, which is the, the – Hey, uh, right, guys, eyes, the guys should we be record- – are we recording this? Is, right? We are re- we are recording this. Okay. Are we? That, I think, it's it, on skype I think it matches up to maybe what Hegel says in terms of uh, the ideal ruler, the figurehead being – uh, either hereditary or um, uh, I think I believe some sort of uh, raffle the the kind of like random figurehead of the head of a state a raffle I think I heard that somewhere yeah like that like the ideal ruler is not necessarily someone who knows how to rule but doesn't want to but almost like a random person it's well, funny I, because a hereditary leader is um, contrary to what it seems like at first co- arbitrary because the like the only principle putting that person in charge is the fact that they were born into this family. In no other way are they qualified. It's well, not a, it's not a preferable person. per se. I, I was
0: thinking of the of the philosopher king as as the castrated leader, you know, as, as oh, like yeah. the, the you know, the the one who but who if, is it I not this is the problem of the dynamic. I'm like, is it the leader who who knows that he is castrated, so he doesn't want to lead, or or is it that he does not know. Uh, fuck. It's I really. Think, but, a, I think, uh, I'm not yeah, sure how ha-
1: clear the line is between like Plato in general and Marx, but rather more specifically the cave and Marx. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I mean we didn't even talk about this, but there. I feel like it's a very. Uh, I feel like it's a very uh, uh, fertile territory for for theorizing uh, X, uh ideology, theory of ideology.
0: Well, I mean, because, it's almost implicit, like right? Like.
1: Yeah. I think oh, but, that, and it's one of those things like how can – I mean I haven't really heard Zizek talk about the cave, but it seems on, uh, at the same time so so implicit in what he's talking about. Right. Like I do know that he prefers Plato over Aristotle. That's what I do know. can confirm that. Well, it's – it's it, the critique
0: of ideology is, is about like this process of – at least the traditional critique of ideology is the process of like coming to know that what you are seeing is shadows. But mm-hmm. through Marx's critique – and through this short circuit reading of Frank Ruda, it's like it's beyond that, and I think that's also where, like you know, sub, sublime object of ideology. Zizek's saying it's like you know, the critique of ideology, the only the beginning of the process is to understand that what you're seeing is shadows. But but
1: yeah, not something end. beyond yeah.
0: emancipation is 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 problematized, but not you know, it's not the end point, right? The critique of ideology actually has to land on 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 being able to take up the shadows in a different way, you know? Understanding, yeah, because at
1: a certain at a certain point, like. The the people in the cave, the cave dwellers know that they're in a cave, and what they're looking at are illusions. Very much in the way that G. Jack talks about, we, in an ideology or in an uh, ideological ideological uh, sway, one can know what they're doing and and nonetheless still do it. Right. Well, they don't uh, want to. I think
0: the prisoners I, the unchained prisoners don't want to leave they actually have to be brought out drawn out and i think that's like this is the, to me the cynical approach where it's like you know the three of us can can i think on some level say how ideology works or the ideology of <laughs> capitalism and how we participate in it maybe, but right. right but they you know we don't necessarily want to leave what would it even be like to leave
1: here's uh, here's uh, actually <laughs> um, yeah. slightly yeah. tangentially here's here's uh, Zizek speaking to plato um he says in uh, this is in his new book, Sex and the Failed Absolute, he says, Therein resides Plato's deep insight. Ideas are not the hidden reality beneath appearances. Plato is well aware that this hidden reality is that of ever-changing corruptive and corruptive material. Ideas are nothing but the very form of appearance. This form as such, or as Lacan succinctly rendered Plato's point, the supersensible is appearance as appearance. And then in the context of Marx's analysis of capital, like the The experience of the of the commodity world, the world produced by capital, also creates the very perception of that world. Exactly, this is the logic of appearance. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a second order of appearance. It's not merely the appearance of things, but but the mystification of that very appearance through commodity fetishism and the ideology of capitalism. And this is always the thing that's looming for me when when a very self-assured internet Marxist talks about. (laughs) Like you know, material conditions and material analysis, and it's like, okay, what you know, aren't there are there other aspects to this organization of of people and and of the social and political economy? Like, it's not simply that things are sort of mutely existing to be taken advantage of or to be oppressed by our, our corporate overlords. There's there's a Definitely. whole system yeah. of, of appearing and of and of ideology and of over yeah this whole and overlay. it's its own. Yeah, it's his own undermining uh, uh, viewpoint in regards to the to the worker, for example. And I think this is what we were talking about in the in the interview to uh, like a, a great extent, where like the problem of the revolutionary subject is so crucial because it's not it it involves like itself kind of an like a, a mystification because this the and this is even what Marx says like the, like they know they know not what they do that's Marx's formulation of ideology and right. like the worker is supposed to be this revolutionary subject. And, and like you say, many internet Marxists are totally assured of it. But where where is this subject, right? Like this is the, the crucial problem. And I think the crucial kind of crux of so much of the ridiculous online debate about like who, you know, the kind of fetishistic view of like the worker as this kind of like moral subject that automatically will will, you know, install the revolution. Right. Well, there's class consciousness and all that, but uh, yeah, I, my own experience of, of working is is not, is not that I'm coming to realize. <laughs> I I hate some working. higher <laughs> higher status or being. with My, I mean, I know that's not really the point, but nonetheless. They're not just not saying anything, he left them speechless. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I was
0: thinking about I was thinking about how that at least with this with this reading that Frank has provided us is that it's is that the worker is is constituted you know even his experience of freedom which i guess in this in this case yeah excuse me their experience of freedom is or his yeah whatever you want to say <laughs> the the idea is that that freedom and unfreedom become kind of exchangeable right is that the 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 experience of emancipation is still within the coordinates of their sort of constitutive unfreedom that is produced by the worker and by the system, right? There's this like negative feedback, the feedback loop, exactly. as it exactly. were. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and so, I mean, I think it's like the the problem with a, a sort of a historicist reading of Marx versus what they're doing now by reactualizing him in the present is like, well, what if we move the site of emancipation from the worker or on the other hand, what if we see that the site is still in the worker, but in the worker's very negativity or the inability mm-hmm. to come to know their own freedom sort of authentically in that position? Right. Like that, not not from
1: like the, the not from the knowing worker, but the worker, the worker who's not supposed to know the worker who kind of like uh, and this is just true of subjectivity, like as such, like we, we're we not. We're, and this is the great lesson of, of psychoanalysis that we're not We're not totally knowing subjects. There's this fundamental, like spectral and uh, unassured quality of our very experience of the world. And of course, that is mediated given the material and ideological circumstances. But like, nonetheless, the subjects exist. And um, given that kind of impossibility of, of fully knowing oneself, starting from that point, you move on to try and conceive of how that works kind of structurally. Right, right. It's yeah. a good point. I guess we call it the fetish of the worker, and it's it's not as if I or we have anything against working. You know, the worker or the or the press worker, whatever position they find themselves in. But but really, just sort of, I mean, even even by by way of saying that, you know, the worker or the proletariat gains class consciousness and then overthrows, you know, throws off their chains or whatever. Like in in what Frank is saying in the essay. Uh, and what Plato says in the cave allegory, there's there's a moment at which the person is taking out, doesn't want to be taken out, and then there's there's this strange kind of return. What would you mm-hmm. guys What would you guys say about that? I mean, like we're we're dealing with this kind of funny uh, orchestration or or example of that in, with the whole COVID thing. Like we've all been on lockdown for months. Um, and, and now we're kind of Jake as you were saying in the interview sort of faced with the prospect of returning to work and I thought that was a really great really great way of of uh, uh, kind of literalizing it for mm-hmm. you know, for at least in my own experience like that that's very much that return that how do you formulate the return yeah yeah
0: well and and I, I think because we've also, been kind of sorry go ahead no uh, just to tie on to that will is is that it's interesting that that we hoist the responsibility of emancipation and and essentially like what social social political and economic revolution onto onto the worker, like it's well, not it's about. A, it's a, funny because it's like the, an
1: it's an impossibility, right? Like it kind of has to be, but it also like there's, all, there's these barriers. Uh, and I think, but that that's the the kind of constant refrain of Jew and and of this kind of crew is like the courage of hopelessness, for example, or like the the tearing with a negative. Uh, all these sorts of things involve going through that 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 negative category um but i sorry cut you off jake i think i think you were gonna no no, that,
0: no no that was I, I finished there will did you have something you wanted to add there
1: um i don't remember what it was but it just brought to mind the phrase is it jake is it uh is it holderland where the danger lies so so there lies the saving power i think you could invert that where the saving power <laughs> lies
0: is the danger.
1: <laughs> well, like, this is, I think this, this brings us back to what you said, uh, William, um, uh, concerning the, the kind of category of the worker and the fetishistic notion of it, and that, especially now, and this is something that Judith talks a lot about, uh, about, like, the people, right? Like, this can kind of be, in some way, a euphemism for the worker, the kind of good, average people out there who know what they want, and... Um, if only inspired uh can be um riled to create political change the problem is that one jizek expands the notion of um the opium of the people uh marx's notion of religion to um uh, both opium and the people and that yeah. like the, the very notion of the people is itself a op- a opiate a uh, a complication a um fetish and like, yeah, and it, like, it it definitely it definitely is uh, uh, like it's important to remember that the, that ideal of people recognizing themselves is also the fetish of the general political landscape, no matter what the political shade is. Definitely, yeah. So like the, like with populism, right and left, the kind of the error I think in in the kind of. The notion of populism as being a kind of authentic political expression is that it's supposed to have um, its basis in the true beliefs and true constituted like desires of the people. That is the knowing subject. Yeah, right? but what Frank is saying, you know, he's talking about not only are they looking at shadows, but I guess sort of we ourselves as cave dwellers are shadows. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, it's funny to kind of tie this into like actual – an actual political stance because I'm not quite sure what we're saying on that front. But I guess it's like, you know, the kind of basic psychoanalytic observation that that you aren't necessarily who and what you think you are. We're just asking questions right now. Yeah, that's all we're doing. Is there anything, uh, any other kind of um, moments in the interview or ideas that we want to just briefly touch on? The uh, I, I think we want to talk about the the meme in relation to the worker time dynamic so yeah, I know what I'm definitely, talking about. yeah but it, maybe just explain it yeah so there's this there's this meme that's been going around uh it's it's a guy at work and at a, on the top on the top half of the image and on the bottom, bottom half of the image there's a guy lying in his bed and it says can't wait to get off the bad screen and on the bottom says can't wait to look at the good screen and this is, a, this is perfectly exemplifies i think what Frank is saying—that that kind of feedback loop of the worker in the realm of capital, even our experience of free time is still mediated through the very form of our own oppression. You know? Yeah. The the immediate we view our freedom as the as the fulfillment of our animal needs, like the and we are kind of like through that the unanimal. But it's it's through capitalism that we're so reduced that we we conceive our freedom in the kind of basic fulfillment of of eating sleeping and having sex which well, and, is like which is so what great. all animals do <laughs>
0: What's so great about the meme is that is that by by using the screen as as the mechanism of comparison it's like yeah the the, the person on the second on the bottom half of the meme is experiencing you know leisure time is relaxing mm-hmm. from labor in the in the very same way that he labors and and like exactly so, so totally, the comparison yeah. here is that it's like it's not just about a about like eschewing the formal dichotomy. It's actually about keeping the dichotomy, but understanding that what's what what now happens is that the free time and labor are experienced in the same ways. So you have mm-hmm. it's not just about melting leisure, you know, away from the equation. It's about keeping the equation and understanding that leisure
1: and labor are, you know, essentially so they're continuous. Yeah, yeah, like like free time yeah. is the is the the label that capitalism affixes to our you know. Otherwise, time to our life, <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. and then, and then we we are compelled to be productive in our free time, yeah, I mean, even even just in as Frank points out in exercising, for example, and I think a great like a great example of that also is is in you know using a Fitbit to catalog the amount of steps that you take in a day or the distance that you've run. I mean, it all, yeah, it's like, a fancy hamster wheel.
0: Well, there's yeah. something also kind of messed up, like i I think of the common the common description is is recharging you know on on the like right. I like on the weekend I'd like to recharge and that, for what only to yeah. you know it's like you know it's important for me to relax and recharge so as to what continue le- you know relaxing no i mean the idea yeah. is that your your break is a reach. I just feel like it's like your iPhone or whatever when it's close to the end it's like I'm just recharging you so that I can use you again you <laughs> yeah, know? exactly you know? we're Nobody. recharging
1: both you and the phone at the same time
0: which which then throws you know obviously problematizes whatever you do on the weekend be it, you know the sort of archetypical like spiritualized you know, I'm gonna do nothing but meditate and work out and feel good and eat good this weekend so as to
1: Work better, work and more. Then that, yeah, it's that, like it's like yeah, taking, it's, the, it's like micro dosing psychedelics okay. when you're working at a fucking startup. Micro dosing free time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah well, exactly. like continual vanishing,
1: <laughs> the continual vanishing of the now because it's it's either like your your freedom. And the, like, I think the way he wrote it in the book was also kind of shattering in a moment where you always imagine your previous self. You know, you think back in the years, you, you, different times, different eras of your life, and you're not like, oh, it was simple back then. It was free, but the freedom is only in your viewing that time as free. It was never felt as such in that time.
0: Right. That's retro re, retroactive freedom, which is yeah. basically barred freedom, right? Yeah.
1: Well, that's I mean, that's what he was saying it was so interesting. I thought what you, he was talking about melancholy.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was really interesting. Melancholy to mourning,
1: mm.
0: which is like—I mean—that's a—that's an interesting way of, of psychoanalyzing. But then understanding this maybe in the metric of politics is like, what does the the process of moving from melancholy to to mourning for the subject, or in this case maybe the worker, is a way of moving out of a a constitutive loss to a loss that you. Like you know, I'd have to go back and read Freud, but I know that the difference between melancholia and and mourning is that mourning is a is a moving beyond the loss, whereas melancholia is being st- like sort of stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's also
1: interesting because uh, the the movement from melancholia it, to depression is uh, is the capital the capitalistic uh, uh, gra- like grip of the rendering of the subject as depressed, so as to like like make your experience of capitalism, the kind of melancholic experience, one of commodification and one of like, you know, you know, you don't like the, the layout of your life, you don't like the the anxiety and the, the uh, detriment that, that, you know, this endless cycle of work gives you, take a pill and just feel differently about it, but still enact the exact same process. Well, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's like updating, uh, it's updating the operating system, you know. Yeah,
0: well, it's tricky because mel- because mourning is about libidinal reattachment, though. So like to me, that actually kind of sounds capitalistic or like, you know, because uh, because melancholy is this is the the inability to libidinally reattach where mourning actually allows the, the subject. To, mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't know. I guess I, I was I was thinking of the the kind of movement, <clears throat> uh, like the difference in description of that experience of melancholy in Freud's time to the way it appears as a description in the the catalog of psychology now, like the kind of technical, scientific speak of depression, as it's called now, and the difference in engagement with that um, is very much a difference in the way that we uh, engage with work and our own. Our relationship to our emotions under capitalism.
0: Well, sure. Yeah. D- depression is just understood as a natural by- byproduct of this of this cyclical fucking moving from free time to back to work. It's like depression is now something that, like, remember, like depression used to be taboo. Now it's like if you don't mm-hmm. have it, you know, you're yeah, you're, yeah it's like if a you're kind you're of not depressed. Yeah. Then you're then you're somehow like exceptional. Um, mm-hmm. And we would probably want to learn every single way in which you achieve that because.
1: Depression seems well, to be got, naturalized. Well, you got some yoga, you're meditating on the weekend, you're eating healthy. Right.
0: Well, the naturalized, I mean, what we're really talking about here is the naturalizing and eternalizing of a certain form of appearance and time in capitalism. And exactly. I think all of these things are are, are part of that, uh, you know, part of that.
1: And allude to yeah, the fact you, that our very, our subjectivity is, is like already, you know, like always already like complicated by all these things. So the, the and to tie it back again, the, the suggestion Popular suggestion of of like that subject is a knowing subject is is to be complicated. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about melancholy. I mean, how does melancholy as an experience uh, arise at this particular moment? I think that just thinking in times that I've you know in my Wolf you know felt felt the the, the sweet blush of melancholy. On we, <laughs> yeah, Weltschmerz. Um, <laughs> yeah. <the>, it it. <laughs> it generally just thinking about it in passing generally kind of, um, attains to, uh, a melancholy of, or about things. And also Jake, what you were saying about a certain relation of, of experience, or we could say, uh, labor to time. So like mm-hmm. if, you, if you're melancholic, if you're melancholic for, let's say the 1920s or something, you know, it's about, it's about the things, the cars, the music, um, a city or whatever. Um, but also, also a relationship to, um, to, uh, that, that dynamic, that capital places upon you that is always, I mean, it's always filtered through fantasy. It was, I mean, it was, if you, if you lived in that time, I'm sure you would have a very different perspective Mm. on it, but, but yeah, it's just, I think that melancholy might be a name for that kind of, uh, disavowal of our current sort of, uh, you know liquidation of our circumstances in the sense that mark says like all that is solid melts into air but but of kind of uh grasping onto the seeming um solidity of 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 the past and and, uh, and an experience of a of a different uh fantasy of non alienated time wow you know what i'm saying yeah i i, think I, that was I, well plot- I yeah
0: i i i dig i dig <laughs> i really dig yeah
1: uh, grasping, well, should we... onto
0: the, grasping onto the fantasy of a non-alienated time that is always already in the past. I like that one. That's good. Let's get that tattooed, boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get. I'll, I'll. each get one part of it, so we'll get <laughs> the whole phrase. I, I tried to take a stab personally at at Hegel's Ravel. Um my okay. God, that was a difficult book. oh sorry I know <laughs> oh, I, I, I was like gearing up that was gonna be the episode's focus and I and and about halfway through I thought, oh God, I think this is almost too much to uh oh, shit, just, I'm I'm just,
1: no, no no just over our heads really <laughs> a no, a I mean <laughs> I mean also I don't know
2: um it was a quite quite some time ago and um I mean, and it was a PhD, so one is trying to find one's own way of articulating oneself and self-expressing oneself and so forth. And I think it's, yeah, I, I understand that sentiment. or that. But it,
0: but it would have played, I mean, like having read um, about 120 pages of it, it, it does play into your essay in, in reading Marx, actually. I, I do think that there's a, a connection between what you flesh out in, in Hegel's Rabble, as this kind of non-existent remainder, and the and the position of of the worker in the in the sort of Platonic cave um, allegory, I, I I I just didn't think we 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 would have the time to even to bring it up. But we also
1: tried uh, um, learning uh, the entire catalog of dialectical materialism in periods <laughs> <four> and <laughs> um, yeah. realized that that <laughs> Pretty slippery term, uh, not to be trifled with. <laughs> we remained over our heads. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, that, I,
2: in some sense, I think that is what voluntary submission looks like, right? I mean, you <laughs> right. you put yourself in a situation where you don't know how the fuck you're gonna survive it, and then, I mean, something happens, and it's actually, I don't know, that is what what in a good sense education looks like or formation. Right. And right. Well, product, yeah, totally. A
0: uh, different productive
2: uh, thing, yeah. yeah. And um, yes. to end on a, on a good news, my mobile phone just told me that Bolsonaro has coronavirus.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> I saw it, yeah. It's, it's All right. <laughs> well, when you, when I thought he already to... had coronavirus. Yeah, I think he's like, had it like, a, a like, few nah, times. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay, we're, then. It's... But but that was a while ago, so maybe maybe it's more
0: serious. <laughs> One can only help. When you were Hopefully. talking about the clownish sovereign, I was like, we're not going to name any names. Yeah. <laughs> <at least laughs> no, we're, no. We're, I, we're <laughs> definitely yeah.
1: raining some bells, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: you said timely. I was like, yep, yep. There's at least three or four people I can think of that, uh, that fit that description. There,
2: uh, I guess there are few around these days. <laughs> well, it was Anyhow, uh, yeah, it was so good to talk. That was that was uh, that was fun. And so on and so on. And so on and so on.